This is part one of a two-part podcast. Have you ever wondered whether a particular book was really good or just so-so, and if you could trust the reviews online? When it comes to books related to permaculture, Permies has a large list of reviews for over 100 books. Perhaps you're considering a book for yourself or a friend, or you're just curious about what's out there. Stop by permies.com forward slash book and take a look at the book review grid and read some honest reviews, and hopefully you'll find the next book to add to your collection. All right, so we're going to review this book called Building a Better World in Your Backyard Instead of Being Angry at Bad Guys, and uh, uh, written by me and Sean. Um, so the book's already available as an audiobook, but um, uh, and I, but but Sean and I were for a while there, kind of like uh, you know doing a review of a chapter. So there's a few chapters that we've totally reviewed that are already available in a podcast. And um, so then came the idea, and I think Julia, you pushed this most of all, and that is that it's mm-hmm. like you know the whole concept of being able to make a change at home instead of being angry at bad guys is pretty unusual. So it's worth doing this, even though it's available as an audiobook, it's it's worth doing this for the entire book um, as as a podcast review in this format. So we could talk about all the little details and stuff. And so um okay, fine, we're doing it. Thank you. Yeah. So, so here we go. We're getting started in it. Um and uh, I'm holding a physical copy. It's actually uh, one of the ones signed. I can see Sean's signature in there as well as mine. Um, and, and so are you looking at one of the signed ones, Julia? No, this is, this is one of, a, of a, a dozen, I guess, that I got. Like, I've given a few away, but I, have, I had a few left, so I just ran over. So it's not the one. I have one where I've been coloring all of the illustrations with colored pencils, but this is not that one. <laughs> You know, I, it was like I was having a meeting a couple of days ago with the Bernal brothers who were doing all of the um, illustrations and layout for the skip book. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were saying we should offer, like, some sort of prize money or something for the first person who colors in all of the illustrations. Because um, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's also going to be a black and white book. Um, sure. But it's going to have probably three or four times more illustrations. Oh, than- excellent. Building a Better World. Uh, although the uh, the ebook won't have very many because ebooks don't really ebooks have to have that reflowable format and mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't lend itself well to that. Oh, and I should point out, Katie is here too. Uh, so, it's, so it's me and hey, Katie. And and uh, uh, so Katie's operating off of a messed up digital copy. It looks, it sounds like something, something <laughs> went wrong for her. We're going to, we're going to talk about that offline later. Um, but anyway, uh, all right. So, uh, in the physical copy, the first page is this thing where it says, after you've read the book, write your name here and pass it on. And I've yes. heard from some people that have received a copy that had like three or four names there already. So, uh, I'm thinking like, Cool. <laughs> That's cool. It's working. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, other works by Paul Wheaton. It's got a bunch of my stuff there. Building a Better World in the Backyard. And so here's the signature page. Um, did you? Okay, so Katie, you had physical copies too. 
Oh yeah. Did you look at the? Surely you got a signed copy. Yes, I love my signed copy. Did you it's actually? Happened. Did you actually look at the signature? Yes, I did. Oh, and Julia, did you look at the signature for your copies? I must have. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it seems so weird to me that people are wanting a signature at all, and and it's like, uh, but they do. So, um, of course, the whole book on the inside is all black and white. And uh I don't know. I, I came up with a bit of silly, and we put a bit of silly in as part of the signature. So I don't know if you guys uh-huh. saw it or remember it. But um so what I did was is I took a piece of paper, and I wrote something, and then I took a picture of it, and then I sent it to this company that makes rubber stamps. Uh-huh. And so when Sean and I sat down and we signed several hundred copies, I think we had to sign like a thousand copies. Ugh, that so took tiring. days. It took days. We, did, we spread it out. We did like, we did an hour and a half long stints. And it, mm-hmm. uh, I think it took us like five or six stints. Now um, you know why doctors have such bad uh, handwriting. <laughs> Is that what you're going to blame? Really? That's what you're No, it's true. No, you, you have to sign so many times when you're a doctor. And so your signature becomes this scrawl. Yeah. Because yeah. you're just doing it over and over and over. So, uh, yeah. all right. So the, the little stupid thing that I wrote that was on the rubber stamp. So we rubber stamped and then we would like use ballpoint pens to actually sign. But mm-hmm. the, this one little stupid thing was, was a rubber stamp. Um, it says, this was, and this is in my handwriting too, because I just, because I wrote it on a piece of paper, took a picture, the rubber stamp people somehow did it. Yeah. Um, so it says, this was a perfectly pristine virgin book. People That's insist- right. People insisted that we soil it with our filthy signatures. <laughs> I remember that. Okay, I do remember that now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. All right, and then it, and then it signed. The and then the signatures. Yeah. Then there's the copyright page, and um. So we've never we've never put out a a book before, so we don't know what you put here. We just kind of looked at these other books to see what they put there, and and at the top of all of these was like you know legal threats. Yeah, don't you be copping in this, and, and and if you do this, it's your fault, man. You can't put it on us, man. This so, is not a complete how-to guide. There's all this stuff about, like, you know, what's okay, what's not, or what is our legal responsibility, which, of course, it says none. And so, so we, so I tried my hand at being a book lawyer because, you know, we, we're not going to hire a book lawyer. <laughs> this is a self pub. So, all right. Uh, here's what we wrote. Here, uh, the information in this book is condensed from a larger body of work. As a result, this book conveys ideas, but is not a complete how-to guide and should not be taken as such. For full details on how to follow through with these ideas, please do your own research. For anything you choose to do as a result of reading this book, the complete list of things that anybody involved in creating this book is obligated to do is, and then there's the full list. And the... uh, the full list is one thing. Um, 
and it mm-hmm. says, possibly point and laugh. So I forewarned is forearmed. I I felt it was important to say possibly because then if somebody does something stupid, we're not obligated to point and laugh. You know, so possibly, if it's awesome, if it's awesome, you might just be <laughs> giving them a thumbs up. Oh sure, sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I think everything else in here is like, you know, technical gibberish. You know, ISBN numbers and copyright messages and printed by and whatever. Oh, for errata, um, suggestions for a second edition, reviews and comments, go to permies.com slash BW. And, um, if you don't, if you're listening to this, you haven't bought your copy yet, permies.com slash BW. Um, been selling a lot of the books the last week or so because right now, it's like today is Saturday, so it's more than a week after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And I, I think what people do is they buy a dozen now, and it's their, it's their Christmas gifts. They're great little Christmas gifts. <laughs> I, I think the price is pretty damn good right now. Um, I know that I have enough boxes of books left over. I could, I could make a couch. Um, but uh, they're just boxes everywhere, in, and uh, it's like, please buy these books so I could have some rooms back. Um, <laughs> and uh, there's the dedication page. Um, I dedicated it to Lawton Emerson McDaniel. That's my granddad. Ah. I put a note there saying, for caring for a broken boy. So he, he took me in uh, when I was 11, and... Uh, uh, I had been passed around a bit, and um, it was it was a weird childhood. Um, but is that your mom's mom or your dad's mom? Uh, it would be well. First of all, I I think that by granddad it it would be uh, somebody's dad <laughs> instead of their mom. But, oh, oops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm just so used yeah. to grandmothers taking in kids, so I didn't even think about that. Yeah, your mom's dead or your dad's dead. <laughs> yeah, no. This this actually technically would be mm-hmm. my mom's stepdad. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And um, he, gets, he gets more nobility points. I he think. He does. He does. Yeah. He does. And um Later, uh, his daughter took me in for a while too, and the skip book is dedicated to her. Um, oh, okay. And, uh, um, I, I just, I just remember being so happy there that I got this idea that I was going to clean the shop because he has a little shop, just mm-hmm. a little, just a teeny tiny one. And, and I thought I would help and I'm going to clean yeah. it. You'd be a helpful 11-year-old. And so uh, part of what I did, because I didn't ask, I thought I would surprise him and that this would be a helpful thing. And I'm, a, and uh, uh, so I was moving a lead-acid battery, and it was too heavy for me. And um, it was a 24-volt tractor battery. It was just huge. And I dropped it. And he heard it drop because it's just huge. And he came running. And I had, and the very first thing he said, because I was thinking like, oh, 
I'm going to be killed now. (laughs) (laughs) Now I shall die. Yeah. It's good knowing you this, this, is, this is how I'm going to die. This, this great guy, and he's been so good to me, and this. And the very first thing he said, <laughs> I can't even say it. The very first thing he said is, are you okay? I mean, like, no Yay. hesitation. Are you okay? Because he can see what happens, and there's acid all over everything. Oh, no. Yeah, it was bad. Are you burning up? And it's like, that is not what I expected to be said. (laughs) said, From your life up to that point. Yeah, are you okay? (laughs) That was his number one concern. Yay. (laughs) The guy that just broke fucking the hugest thing. And it's like, oh, are you okay? And it's like, uh, that was, that was, he was a great man. He would, uh, he would have turned, if he was still alive, he would have turned 121 a few days ago. I thought that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, it was awesome being there. So I'm glad to give my dedication. And, and Sean's dedication is to Andrea, without whose support this book would not exist. Um, yeah, I think I can fill a few podcasts talking about my granddad, but uh, I don't think that's why people listen to the podcast. Oh, I would love to hear. Maybe a special edition. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, special, special cash-only edition grandpa stories. Oh, oh yeah. He's a, he was a great pa- guy. Patreon only at the X level or above. Right? Oh, see, i got to learn how to do yeah. I still feel like I have no you idea. you got to work it. How to do Patreon. I, I've got yeah. nothing. Um, yeah. I gotta learn how to do Patreon, I think. Uh, alright. Then on the next page, we've got, um, the whole page is dedicated to a, a, a quote from Frank Zappa. I'm sure I've mentioned this many times in this podcast. Not a, I'm not a big Frank Zappa fan. I, I don't really care for his music. I don't know if either of you do. Um, um it's alright. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's alright? Yeah, okay. I mean, he does have that song. Moving to Montana soon. Gonna be a dental floss tycoon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah. But anyway, I quote him here. I think this is a critical quote for everything everywhere. Without deviation from the norm, progress is not possible. Yeah. So I, I think that that's, uh, it's like, man, that, that should be our Pledge of Allegiance for kids, you know. All right. Uh, there's the table of contents, and then we get to part zero, introduction. And uh, and Julia. Yes. Very early on in this chapter, like like yes. maybe uh, the third paragraph, the fourth paragraph, maybe even the first – no, the, there it is. Second the second paragraph. paragraph. There it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. How many hours do you and I have in arguing about one sentence there? Uh, more than one. Yes. It was, more, there was quite a hour. bit. We, we've, mm-hmm. we've done – we probably did quite a few rounds on that one line, but we'll get to that in a moment. Chapter one. <laughs> Chapter one, a different approach to solving world problems. <laughs> This is what? part one of a five-part podcast. <laughs> oh, uh, I think this is going to be 
part one of a 20-part podcast, isn't it? No, you're right. You're right. Okay. You're, right. All right. Okay. you're just thinking about the thing that I recorded that, yeah, appears in yeah. all the podcasts now? Yeah. Yeah, that appears in all of them if they go more than an hour. All right. So, uh, chapter one, a different approach to solving world problems. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. So that's uh, Charles Dickens from A Tale of Two Cities. I think that that's not even the... The end of the sentence. That that's all. That's all one sentence, and the sentence kept going on and on like that. But that's all. I I felt like that's enough, Charles. Uh, We'll we'll do. We'll call it good there. A tale of two cities. Now it's important to note. 1859. So that would be 150 years ago, roughly, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and then, and then come my words. It is the best of times. We have the internet, cars, jets, space travel, movies, electricity, and comforts for the masses far beyond the imagination of Dickens. It is the worst of times. Political debate continues on whether the human species will survive climate change. Mercury in the atmosphere has made all fish toxic. Even fish found in the remote, in the most remote wilderness. The palate for toxins has changed. It is far more subtle, but far more dangerous and varied. We now have massive patches of garbage in our oceans, and we continue to route sewage laden with toxic waste into many of our waterways. Cancer now kills 100 times more people per capita than during the smoky days of Dickens. War, starvation, and poverty have yet to be rooted out. We now have a collection of new illnesses we are struggling to understand. Most of our electronics have the shame of modern slavery woven into them. And our addiction to these toys forfeits our privacy to a variety of nefarious entities. Not to mention we, and then I put dot, dot, dot. Sorry about that. I have now smacked the pause button on the dark stuff. The list still runs on for a few hours, but it was twisting my innards, and I think you get the general vibe. The list of global problems is massive and overwhelming. In a world on the brink of social collapse, one website stands above the rest to fight back the zombie horde of corporate trolls. Permies.com. Take back control of your destiny and protect your loved ones from the toxic gick coming at you from all directions. Strap on your overalls and start building that bunker of abundance with the good vibes and friendly, helpful insight found at Permies.com. All right. Go ahead, Julia. What's the thing? Yeah. <laughs> What's the thing? Right? Oh no, I don't no, I don't want to argue about anything. I I think this is all great. 
this is all true. Well, I think we ended up in a place where you were like, I had, I supplied enough documented evidence. And in fact, mm-hmm. I think a lot of the documented evidence that I had supported my original number because that number, the, the sentence that you took issue with mm-hmm. is the one where cancer now kills 100 times more people per capita than during the smoky days of Dickens. And uh, there's a footnote for that, and you can go to a thread where basically, you know, all of the arguments are. But um, <clears throat> where where I was was I used to say 400 times, and um, and you were you were thinking like that's too high, that number is too big, and I went yeah. and I and I um, and the thing is is I had the number 400 because of two things. Um, one, because uh, I ran into a physician, and and part of your license to argue this is that you are also a physician. Right. But I was at a sepulcher event, and there was a physician there who became really upset with me. And she was emphatic that the rates of cancer today are... 400 times more than I think she was saying at the time 200 years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, and her number was 400. And I said, do you mean 400%? And that's when she became really angry with me. Like, do you think I'm too stupid to not know the difference between 400 times more and 400%? So, right. <clears throat> okay, okay. Whew, uh 400 times is, it is. 400 times is what you're saying. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm following along, shutting the fuck up. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> and at the time, I was just some other guy at this sepulcher event. I mean, like, yes, permies.com existed then. Yes, mm-hmm. probably about half the people there found out about it from permies.com. But the site was pretty small. It wasn't nearly as big as it is now. So I'm kind of like just some doofus with a little website. So I don't know why she felt it was so critically important that I hear what she is saying. Um, but emphatic she was. Mm-hmm. Later, I looked it up and found that her numbers were accurate. Later still, when you started to bring it up to me, I couldn't find the information I looked at before. So I hate it when that happens. <laughs> I I activated the plotsketeers. So um, there are people who are signed up for emails, and there's a bunch of checkboxes. And one of them, one of the checkboxes is, I want to help Paul with his plots on world domination. And so I emailed the plotsketeers. There's like 9,000 of them. And I said, um, I want to find this information. And find it, they did. And, and the number is 400. And, uh, but, um, you, you know, you were still uncomfortable with it. So I think we ended up, I, I, I think at about that point, we we're kind of getting really close to where we needed to go into layout. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, um, Sean and I agreed, let's change it to 100 and move on. Because Sean was also feeling, he was, he was taking your side. At, and he was feeling like 400 seems just way too unbelievable. And uh, he, would, he would like me to temper that number. So in the end, we went with 100. It seemed like everybody was, combined with the, the evidence that was the, the, ref, the reference material, mm-hmm. everybody was comfortable with 100. Even though the reference material said 400, 100 was fitting within everybody's comfort zone. So, um, oh, those were the days, weren't they? So long ago. That had to be like three or four years ago when we were writing all this. Yeah. All right. Um, When confronted with such significant problems, our first instinct is to tell the bad guys to stop being bad. Of course, we'd be doing so on a rigged playing field. And for each person who actually does write a letter or confront the bad guys, there might be a hundred people who simply develop an ulcer. About seven years ago, a friend contacted me to tell me that he'd become obsessed with fracking. He was actively protesting two or three times a week. He lived in Colorado, so I asked him how he heats his home. He responded with natural gas. After all of his protesting, it never occurred to him that he was feeding the monster. When I pointed this out to him, his first response was to switch to electric heat. I then pointed out the environmental problems of electric heat, including how natural gas is now being used to generate electricity in his area. So he then contemplated going without any heat at all. (laughs) Yikes. All right. Um, I, I, I'm sure I've shared this story a few times before. Have I? Uh, about the guy and the, and the natural gas? Yeah. Yes. Yes, you have. Okay. And, and, and just, and just about the, 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 I don't know, the something of getting into a car and driving 150 miles to protest a gas pipeline. Right. I'm not burning sure. X amount of fuel in the process. Yeah. Right. I'm I'm not sure if I mentioned that one in this introduction, but No, not in this introduction, but in yeah. the same yeah. But um it's true. Uh there were people that were driving uh through Montana on their way to the um uh uh Dakota oil stuff, you know, to protest the pipelines and things. But they were driving in an SUV by themselves. And it's kind of like – and you know what? I, I read something recently about uh, how there was a, a flight from like – I don't know. Maybe it was L.A. to New York or something. But anyway, um, whatever this flight was, it was a pretty long flight. And, of course, we've all heard about how getting on an airplane is like the least eco thing you can do. But um, – I read that there were 100 passengers on the flight and it, it used, uh, 500 gallons of fuel, 500 gallons of jet fuel in order to, to do this flight. And I'm thinking that's five gallons of jet fuel per 
person. Mm-hmm. And so when this other person went to go protest uh, the pipeline stuff, they drove from San Francisco to the Dakotas, and I estimated that it was about 150 gallons gas because um, they're driving by themselves in an SUV. So yeah. how does 150 gallons of gasoline compare environmentally to five gallons of jet fuel? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I, I do like the idea, like, like in the, and in the book, as we go along, I hope to paint a picture such that it's like, hey, how about living somewhere where you have this amazing community and you're growing so much of your own food that you just don't feel like going anywhere? And you could, anytime you wanted to, jump in your <clears throat> gas guzzling vehicle and drive wherever the hell you want, but you just don't feel like it. Where you are is the coolest place to be. And so there's like, you know, the itch to go anywhere is about zero. But sure, go mm. whenever you want. Um, that's kind of the thing I want to have. So I want to, I kind of feel like the way to reduce petroleum use or any kind of travel issue, uh, travel problem, I think is, is to find a path so that you just don't feel like going. Um, all right. Um, the, the, the thing okay. is, is that five gallons of jet fuel versus 150 gallons of gasoline. And I, I kind of feel like people shaming people for getting on planes for an environmental footprint. I kind of feel like, I don't know if that's a slam dunk. So, I'm looking at a, okay, I'm looking at an article from 2012 in the Smithsonian, Smithsonian Magazine, so I don't know if it's trustable, but it says a jet fuel uh, produces 21 pounds of carbon dioxide emissions per gallon, and gasoline produces almost 20 pounds of carbon dioxide emissions per gallon. Uh, with 21, 20, that's pretty close per gallon, which surprises me, so I don't know if I should trust it. But in a quick search, that's my results. No, I think that's I think that's true. Uh, jet fuel is 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 more like kerosene, but um, they're all liquid hydrocarbons, and Here, I would imagine they're pretty similar. Here's a here's a wacky tidbit. Uh, did you know that diesel, the diesel that they use in like trucks for driving up and down the road and stuff like that, mm-hmm. that that's mm-hmm. actually uh, I think it's actually kerosene. It is exactly the same as kerosene. I believe that. I believe that. Yeah. So, um, but uh, I think that that's probably pretty accurate. I'm open to the idea that it could be even um, a bigger difference. But I was kind of thinking about the same thing. Like, they're, they're, I bet their carbon footprint per gallon is about the same. Mm-hmm. Um, partly because I think that the carbon footprint uh, per gallon of petroleum is probably, uh, you know, not super huge. It's kind of like, all right, so here you've got a gallon of petroleum. It probably weighs something on the order of 10 pounds. And it's like, okay, then we, like, let's say it's got loads and loads and loads of carbon in it, and then we add a bunch of uh, oxygen to it. Now it weighs more as CO2, 
20 pounds sounds like on the outside of what I was guessing, but sure, I'm willing to ride along with that. Um, but I was, I was going to guess 10 to 15 pounds was just a guess without knowing anything about it, but 20, great. I'm in 20, 20 is plausible to me. Still, the key is, is that I think that, I think that when we're out there complaining about carbon footprint stuff, I kind of feel like, A, I want people to live their most luxuriant lives. That comes first. Yes. And, and B, let's get some better data out there. Um, because in this particular case, if you were to drive the same distance in a car all by yourself, it would probably have, um, uh, much more, you'd be, you'd have a much larger carbon footprint. Now, if you were to all pilot, if you were to like have something that's like a minivan and you've got nine people all going in the same direction and, uh, and you use the same amount of fuel, I don't know. You, if it, 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 my rough math already is saying that it might even be more than if you were to fly, but that can't be right. I must, I must have screwed up the math somewhere. Um, all right. The, the, the important thing is, is that, um, Going in a jet airplane, uh, mm-hmm. I think if you're going to be going there anyway, there's a good chance that going in a jet airplane might not have as big of a carbon footprint as you are concerned about. So, um, <clears throat> all right, sorry, I, I kind of, all right, I was Question. reading the paragraph. Go ahead, Katie. It makes me feel so much better about flying over that I'm suspicious of it. I feel like there might be a hidden cost. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to well, be about flying. <laughs> well, when you're flying over here, you're flying from Hawaii. Yeah. And um, uh, it's kind of like, I I kind of wonder how many gallons per person is that? And, uh, and so, you know, but if it's from Hawaii, maybe it's like if you went, if you're going to Seattle, <clears throat> maybe it's 10 gallons. But, um, I don't know. I'm kind of, I think it's worth looking into. I don't, I don't think it's, it, the way that people paint those pictures. I mean, it does seem like there are some people that fly a very long distance, uh, twice a week. Like they do a round trip every week. This is their job. Right. And I think, okay, that might be worth looking into. That could have a pretty significant carbon footprint right there. <clears throat> All right. I was talking about <clears throat> this friend of mine who, by the way, I sent him a preview copy of the book, and that's the last I ever heard of, heard from him. I haven't heard from him since. And, and uh, oh man, the the guy that was protesting fracking. Yeah. Oh. Which is oh. unfortunate. Maybe he didn't like that I mentioned this in here. Um. And, uh, and I, I sent it to him and I said, look, I've, I've even talking about our conversation, like in the first chapter. And, uh, and he, he's like, that it doesn't uh, make me look good. I don't like it. Yeah. I, I think it's an important point. And I think I, I don't want people to be cold. And of course, people who've listened to this podcast before know that, um, I've, I, I, I've laid out lots of different ways to be very, very warm. And, uh, and without using any natural gas whatsoever, uh, or any electricity, <clears throat> or 
if you're going to use electricity or natural gas, how to reduce that down so dramatically, you know, so that it's one-tenth the footprint. Um, all right. Uh, for nearly every global problem, there are solutions we can implement in our backyard that save us money and help us live more luxuriant lives. If a few of us do these things and bask in the glow of the opulence and extra cash, others will observe and think, I want extra luxury and money too, not fair. So they emulate, and on and on it goes. Then the global problems sort of just dry up and blow away. That is what this book is about. This is my, my big strategy for world domination. All we got to do is come up with a whole bunch of things that people can do that uh, others will be envious of, and then it takes off and it goes viral, right? Oh, hey, well, look, at, look at a thing at the bottom of this uh, of page three. There's a little box. So I imagine that Julia sees yeah, it. Yeah, yes, I know. <laughs> I just noticed that. I was like, wow, I'm like talking to a famous person. Can I read it? Can I read it, Paul? Sure. Go ahead. Go ahead and read it. Or maybe, or maybe, okay. It says, living in the subtropics, I've noticed that almost everything in this book still applies. Even rocket mass heaters can be useful. If you want to make an impact, I recommend this book for any climate. Signed, Katie Young. Yay. Yay. <laughs> And you're in a larger font, I'll point out. Ooh, it's oh, premium. Yeah, yeah, you're in a box that's in a larger font. I think that's because you, you backed my Kickstarter at, for, a, <laughs> for a big amount. And, I did. Yeah. And then so you got, I think there was a certain number of people that you backed at this level or higher or something. Then we yeah, said, quote. you get to have a little blurb in the book. And so there's one other blurb in the whole book. I think. I think just one other. And I'm not sure what page it's on. Oh, there it is. It's on page mm-hmm. 75. Um, yeah, I think that's the only other blurb in the book. So it was just, I think that there were like four people that supported it at that level, but only two people actually provided a little blurb to put in the book. Um, the other one was a biochar. Yeah, the yeah. biochar guy. Yeah. yeah. Which is cool. That chair is cool. <laughs> this podcast is continued in part two. I'm Edward Norton. No, not that one, the other one. And I love pies. No, not that kind, the other kind. Hermes is an old school forum packed full of friendly people who occasionally give out a slice of pie. You'll never forget your first slice of pie. It made me feel so good. I had to buy a whole pie so I could share the love. Oh, and there's apples too. Sign up at permies.com to join in the world of homesteading and permaculture and you too might get a slice of pie.